Hey everyone, welcome to Hope is in the Middle. My name is Megan Blake, and I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If faith is the beginning and love is the end, hope is in the middle. This is a scripture and general conference study podcast that will help you experience Jesus Christ and grasp his hope. Join me as we learn together how to cling to this excellent hope. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you could be here. This is so great that we get to study and learn in this way from General Conference and from the scriptures. I just, I love when you can be here and listen and I just, I love studying the scriptures and the words of the prophets and apostles. It's been so enriching. So I hope it's been the same for you as well. But before we jump into the talk today, there, you might have noticed there was a slight change to the podcast this week um, and to my website. We are now called Hope is in the Middle. And this change occurred as I was reflecting on hope this week and the meaning of hope and how we find hope and particularly hope in Christ. So we'll be diving into that a little bit more in this episode. But I just, I love this concept. And so I changed everything. And it's been really fun because all of my documents on my computer and the recordings, I abbreviate it for H-I-M, hope in the middle. And so I see him everywhere on my desktop. This this definitely is his work and I hope you can find him in it. So I just thought that was such a fun little element that I <laughs> just thought that the name change was so fun. I also have am having plans to run a podcast that's also called Hope in the Middle but it will be in Serbo-Croatian. So that will be coming soon, which I'm particularly excited about. Anyways, I am really excited about um, today because we will be going over Elder Ballard's talk back in October 2022, and it was called Follow Jesus Christ with Footsteps of Faith. What you're going to need today as we dive in here is obviously you'll need his talk pulled up. So make sure you have that ready. We'll also be in Ether chapter 12, as well as some New Testament. So Matthew and Mark. So make sure you have your Book of Mormon and your New Testament handy, because we'll definitely be in there today. And if you're teaching this to a class, some principles I gleaned from his talk, there were so many, you guys. There, He just dumped so much simple and true doctrines and principles in there. Literally every sentence is like a principle you can come up with and just hold and examine further, which is so cool, but it's just so deep. But they're so simple too. Um, 
So some principles I came up with personally, you don't have to use these, and there's a lot of them. There's so many. I didn't even come up with like half of them. But here's a couple. Christ can carry us today through difficult times if we have faith in him. Hope is real and can be grasped through the Savior Jesus Christ. As we follow Jesus Christ with faith, there is hope in every aspect of our lives and in every sense of the word. When we have faith in the Savior, we can be an instrument in the hands of the Lord. The Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus Christ and his atoning grace. And miracles can happen in our life as we nurture and grow our testimony. So there, those are just some, some principles that you can pull out and, and focus on if, if you so desire. I think his talk is just so amazing um, in that way. Let's talk a little bit about hope. He, Elder Ballard, at the beginning of his talk, has this paragraph just about hope, which I thought was lovely. So let's just examine this paragraph here. There is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope for all in this life. There is hope to overcome our mistakes, our sorrows, our struggles, and our trials and our troubles. There is hope in every in repentance and being forgiven and in forgiving others. I testify that there is hope and peace in Christ. He can carry us today through difficult times. He did it for the early pioneers and he will do it now for each one of us. I love this promise. Let's think about this. This is the reality of hope. Hope is available to all. I love how he says that. There is hope for all in this life. I think hope is so underrated. We hear it all the time, but we get kind of this superficial fluffiness related to the word that kind of deters us from looking into it further. At least for me, it does. I, I usually picture like a really cheesy quote with like, hope can help you, you know, <laughs> something like that with like flowers around it. But it's, it's true. This hope is not just for depressed people. It's for everyone. Hope is, is there and it's accessible. Okay, with that in mind, why have hope? Like really, let's pause and think for just a moment. Why do we need hope? My husband the other day showed me a shocking statistic this week from the CDC stating that three in five teenage girls and almost a third of teenage boys reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Isn't that terrible? And 30% of teenage girls and 14% of teenage boys reported seriously considering suicide. The study linked the increase in depression and, and the prevalence of social media together, saying that it was no coincidence. Hopelessness is quickly becoming the norm, which is so sad to hear. It That's terrible. Um, and obviously, I mean, social media can 
when used incorrectly, become all-consuming and so distracting. So with this problem in mind, hope is even more important today than it ever has been before. We need hope. And we need to know how to grasp hope and how to teach our young people to grasp hope. And um, I want to first start by relating this experience from David Butler. Um, And it's having to do with John chapter 4, verse 31. But I was so, I love this. He says, It felt like heaven set the appointment. Could have been random, but I don't like to think so. I had this unexpected conversation with a boy this week. We had never met before. I was just a stranger that happened to be there, but it felt like one of God's errands. I was clumsy at best, but tried to convey the message that he put in me. Tragedy had recently erupted in his story. A sucker punch of unfair, heartbreaking heaviness, the kind that seems to easily quench hope. I wished I could have taken some of it from him. It was a reminder of how much people carry how much people carry, carry under the surface of how much healing this hurt world needs. And I walked away thinking this. Someday Jesus is coming again. We need him. And when he does come, he will make it up to that boy. He will make it all better. Every loss made right. Every piece of his broken heart put back together. Every tear wiped from his cheek. I believe that with every bounce of my heart, and I believe that for everyone, I believe Jesus is coming back to restore every one of our stories. But in the meantime, we have each other. Funny word, huh? Meantime. Usually that word is defined as until, the waiting time. But I can't unhear what it also says, the mean time, the time that is opposite of nice, the very definition of the messy middle of mortality. Because truly, the time in this world can be so mean. Little wonder that God sent us here together for the mean time. Jesus will heal all someday. But in the meantime, we have each other. In the meantime, we have each other for kindness. In the meantime, we have each other for hope. In the meantime, we open our hearts and wallets and arms as wide as we can. We add our tears to theirs, offer our good shoulder, clap and cheer as loud as possible for others, and multiply the good as good as we can. We all wait with thick anticipation for the day he comes again. But until then, things will be left incomplete, unanswered, and undone. But perhaps we can experience his healing touch early, along the way, while we wait, from each other, as we live his love in the meantime. I highly encourage you to read John chapter 4 in this light. In the meantime, if faith is at the beginning and love is at the end, then what is in the middle?
What is in the meantime? It's hope. Hope is in the middle. Could it be that hope can be in the middle of our messy story? Could hope really be found in the boring moments or the monotony or the extreme grief or the pain or the happy and pleasant? Could hope really be in the middle of all of the chaos? The answer that Elder Ballard gives us here in this is yes. If our hope is in Christ. So that sounds great and all. But what does hope really look like in a life? What does it look like in your life? What even is hope? I wanted to unpack this for just a minute. We learn about these three paired virtues in the scriptures. And once you see the pattern, you can see them everywhere in scripture practically. It's faith, then hope, then love or charity. Again, if faith is the beginning and love is the end, then the middle is hope. True faith moves us towards love. And if love is the final destination, then how do we get to love after faith? Hope is going to get us there. The Hebrew word for hope is tikva, which actually implies a meaning denoting a, a, a type of cord or something to fasten to something else. Hope gives us security. It, it's grounding. In fact, in Job chapter 4, verse 6, we see hope there, but it's actually a good in, translation of grounding, like a ground of hope, which I think is very fascinating. It's something that we can hold on to and grasp as we navigate this crazy life. Hope is something we can and should cling to with all our might. I think of a baby and the umbilical cord. To, and I heard this quote once, to live without hope is to cease to live. Ether chapter 12 verse 4, let's flip there because <laughs> this is one of my favorite verses in the Book of Mormon. And it calls this hope an anchor for the souls of men. It says, and let me just flip there really quickly. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world. Yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. I love this idea that faith and hope paired together, as we fuse those together and use them 
It anchors our souls. And I love this description. In the same chapter, hope is referred to as a heavenly gift. In Ether chapter 12, 8, be partakers of the heavenly gift, comma, that they might hope for those things which they have not seen. Verse 9, wherefore ye may also have hope and be partakers of the gift, if ye will but have faith. So first comes faith. And I think, um, and then we can grasp this hope. I think about Nephi's vision of the tree of life. Love is most definitely the final destination. The tree of life is the love of God. And if faith is at the beginning of that journey to get us to the iron rod, then it must be that the hope is the action of grasping to the iron rod or to the word of God. It takes faith to open your scriptures, but it takes endurance or hope to actually get something out of them and internalize them and then change you. It takes hope. After walking in the doors of the church building to listen and really internalize what you are learning and then go forward and apply it to your life. Same thing with having kids. You act on faith to have another child or to have a child and then you you go through this raising them in this thick, messy process of raising them, but you have this hope the whole time that one day they will grow and eventually become successful, happy, obedient, loving, you know, all these things. And even when they don't, we still have hope that later on they will, right? So hope to me then is a verb. Is there such thing as hopeness? Because <laughs> that's what it is. Hope takes work. It takes action. Hope is this idea of endurance. And that's why I love how in Ether it always, it talks about always abounding in good works after we have this anchor for our souls and then we're sure and steadfast. Like we'll always be abounding, always abounding. It's this idea of endurance, this stamina, which comes because of the hope you have in Christ. If faith is the single action, then hope is the endurance part after the action. I love how in also in Ether 12 as well, that all of these moments of faith mentioned, like he, Moroni goes through all of these things of faith, right? Like it was by faith that this happened. It was by faith that this happened. And I love how he says in verse 7, for it was by faith that Christ showed himself unto our fathers after he had risen from the dead. And he showed not himself unto them until after they had faith in him. Wherefore it must needs be that some had faith, for he showed himself not unto the world. And he also talks about Moses. When Moses received the law by faith. These are 
really interesting acts that he brings up because they're beginning acts. They're beginning of faithful and hopeful stories, right? Once Christ came to the people in the Americas, the rest of the story is filled with hope and enduring and continuing in that faith, right? So after we show up physically, faith, now let's show up mentally and spiritually and continue hope. And hopefully we can then start to feel the love of our heavenly parents. So hope is this grasping. I also talked with um, a friend of mine this week and she had mentioned that faith is faith in God is this right vertical relationship to God and it's working on that vertical relationship and then love love is this horizontal relationship we're working with um, other people and loving other people around us so we have faith is to God connecting to God love is connecting to others but what is hope hope is connecting with ourselves with self-discovery and I loved that idea of that and I thought all the more about an anchor, right? Like we are getting anchored to Christ and we're discovering how that looks in our life and in our thoughts and in our prayers and everything we do personally in our heart and mind, which I love. So hope is also, the, I mean, it's this grasping and it fills us hope fills us when we're empty it keeps us going when we don't feel we can and there is hope in all these things elder ballard describes so i love how he first starts his talk off with hope in this concept and if you want to look into it further i highly recommend you read ether chapter 12 verse 11 and then verse 32 because it makes it seem like hope equals Christ, right? Because he talks about it as this heavenly gift, an excellent way. And then Ether calls it in verse 32, an excellent hope. So I just, I love that idea that let's have an excellent hope instead of being hopeless as so many people are experiencing these days. Like, let's have an excellent hope. Like, let's not just be full of hope or hopeful. Let's be, have excellent hope. <laughs> I love that. So that is why the name of, of this whole podcast has been changed. It's, it's this idea of hope is found in the middle. I was also contemplating earlier this week about the plan of salvation and this cycle of progression right because christ condescended below all things and then he gives us the grace to overcome and then he gives us more grace to become and it's this amazing like progression cycle which mm -hmm. i love but at the center mm -hmm. of that circle at the center of the plan of salvation 
is this hope. It's this Christ. It's this excellent way. This excellent hope. And I love how it's found in the middle of all of it. So just something to think about, but there's so much we can dive into on this. So the next thing in his talk that he brings up is this idea of pioneers, which I love. The word pioneer is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it can mean a person who is among the first to explore or settle a new territory. As a verb, it can mean to open or prepare the way for others to follow. We would call the members on my mission who who joined the church in Eastern Europe, we would call them pioneers. They were usually joining the church alone and with extreme opposition. And they were paving the way for their families and their friends and those in their countries. And Elder Ballard mentions that missionaries are modern-day pioneers as well, which I thought was really cool. And I also think they are people who think outside the box a little bit, who are open to what God wants to tell them instead of what popularity deems as what's appropriate to to look into. They are the true learners of society and willing to ask God and find out for themselves from the true source of all knowledge. I think that's so cool. They are the out of out of the box thinkers, right? They are the they are the seekers of the world, and those are what pioneers are um, nowadays. And I think that's so cool to think about. Here's another quote from his talk: "We are trying, as they did, talking about the old pioneers." We are trying as they did to spiritually overcome the temptations and challenges of our day. We have trails to walk. We have hills and sometimes mountains to climb. Although the trials today are different than those of the early pioneers, they are no less challenging for us. Isn't that kind of true? Aren't we so bombarded by so much uh, fear and terrible news all the time and challenging things I think especially for our young people the things that you're bombarded with on a daily basis it's it's toxic it's 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 hard there are some hard things but the amazing thing is is that we can overcome those mountains and those hills and those challenges and temptations. I want to go on to this um, portion of the talk that I super loved. He, the whole running theme of his talk uh, to me was like missionary work. Like it was screaming like, preach my gospel like this is a lesson from preach my gospel and maybe that's because elder ballard was kind of one of the masterminds behind preach my gospel but he just has all these simple amazing one line one liners that you can use in a missionary discussion or a missionary lesson 
And I love that. Um, I think it's also interesting because, um, I mean, a lot of his statements are definitely missionary talk. So as I went through the talk, I highlighted, okay, which one is talking about restoration? Which one is talking about plan of salvation? Um, which, you know, gospel or principle is this talking about? Is it talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Um, or is it talking about keeping the commandments? So those are kind of the main missionary lessons. There were four of them that I kind of gleaned from his talk that I want to quickly go over. And um, then we'll continue. So I love, oh, I also love this. I love how missionary calls nowadays are are adjusted to reflect more at the beginning of the call letter, like what the purpose of missionary work is. When I got my call back in the day, the first thing that you read was where you're going and what language you're going to be speaking, which it's so different now. They they have this like whole paragraph to read that's all about your missionary purpose and why you're going out there and it's all because of Christ it's all because of him and I love that so much because it just takes that perspective of the pressure of where so off like that's not why you're going you're not going because you're gonna learn a cool language or you're gonna eat cool food and be in a cool culture No, you're going because you're serving Jesus Christ with all your heart, might, mind, and strength to bring others to him. I love that. I want to quickly go over the missionary purpose um, for those who haven't served missions or just a good refresher. Our purpose is to help others come unto Jesus Christ by helping them receive the restored gospel through faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. And how do we endure? It's going to be with this hope. It's going to be a hope in Christ. I love this. So the first quote I got for restoration. Let's dive into restoration. He says, I first... In relation to pioneers, I first think of the prophet Joseph Smith. Joseph was a pioneer because his footsteps of faith led him to a grove of trees where he knelt in prayer and opened the way for us to have the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Joseph's faith to ask of God on that spring morning in 1820 opened the way for the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ which included prophets and apostles called to serve on earth once again. I know Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. I know his faith-filled footsteps led him to kneel in the presence of God, the Father, and his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. The prophet Joseph's footsteps of faith enabled him to be the Lord's instrument in bringing forth the Book of Mormon, which is another testament of Jesus Christ and his atoning grace. Through Joseph Smith's faith and and perseverance in the face of incredible hardship and opposition, he was able to be an instrument in the hands of the Lord in establishing the Church of Jesus Christ once again on the earth 
isn't this so amazing? There's so many things that our missionaries can glean from this talk and use as they're teaching people. Um, I just, I love that. I'm going to quote one more paragraph in, in relation to restoration. During the last general conference, I spoke about how my full-time missionary service blessed me. I was blessed as I taught about our Heavenly Father's glorious plan of salvation, Joseph Smith's first vision, and his translation of the Book of Mormon. These restored teachings and doctrine guided my footsteps of faith in teaching those who were willing to listen to the message of the restoration of the gospel. So I love that. Which brings us into the plan of salvation. He talks about the... um, Simple truths of the plan of salvation. Our Savior Jesus Christ is the ultimate pioneer in preparing the way. Indeed, he is the way for the plan of salvation to be accomplished so that we can repent and through faith in him return to our Heavenly Father. I love that. So simple. Like, he is the way. He's the ultimate pioneer in this paving the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He has promised to not leave us comfortless. He will come to us in our trials. He has invited us to come unto him with full purpose of heart, and he shall heal us. So I love that. Let's go to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Here are just a couple of things I got from the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Let us follow Jesus Christ with faith in every footstep. With the blessing of repentance, we can turn to him. He will help us learn, grow, and change as we strive to stay on the covenant path. I love this. The doctrine of Christ is so cool. If um, you don't know, just the basic outline. The doctrine of Christ is faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement. And then you have repentance and change because you have faith. And then there's baptism and making a covenant with him. And then there is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then enduring to the end. That is the simple, very, very simple, straightforward doctrine of Jesus Christ. But... As I was contemplating the doctrine of Jesus Christ this week, it's this idea of a strength cycle. I mean, it isn't just those like five steps. It's like, it's a lifelong process that we go through every single week or like every day, practically. Like our destination isn't a place. Our destination is to become And so we become what God wants us to become and what we want to become by using the doctrine of Christ. That is our becoming outline. The doctrine of Christ is how we become like God, which I think is so beautiful to look at it in that lens, not just that there's these five steps that don't necessarily apply to me. Because They actually apply to you every single week. (laughs) So I like to do this by drawing a triangle. 
So you draw this triangle. One side of the triangle says redeeming slash cleansing. And I like to call that overcoming. And on the other side of the triangle, you have this reforming slash changing or becoming. So if you were to draw this triangle out, you've got two sides, right? You've got this side that's redeeming and cleansing. You've got the other side that's reforming and changing. And in the middle line, the line connecting the two sides, that is the atonement of Jesus Christ. So this is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. This is what's going to get us from point A to point B, right? Like, how can we overcome? Okay, now now that we've overcome, how can we become? And it's this idea also of like saving grace and then exalting grace, right? And we're using Jesus Christ in the whole process. We're using him and his atonement in this becoming, this overcoming, becoming cycle. And I just love picturing it like that. There's a car analogy that I heard um, where talking about the doctrine of Jesus Christ, but imagine that you're on this road and it's really hot and you're trying to get somewhere and you're just dripping sweat and it's so hot and you're thirsty and you're just, you've been walking all day. And then all of a sudden this guy in this car pulls up and is like, hey, like, you know, they seem really friendly. Like, come on, like, come on in the car. Like, let's give you a ride. Let's take care of you. Where do you need to go? You know, and you can feel the air conditioning blowing on your face and you can see water bottles in the back and you're like, man. Um, And then, you know, this idea of like, you should just trust that this car can get you from point A to point B, right? Uh, But sometimes it's like, you know, in relation to, okay, like pretend the car is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Some of us are like, well, I don't understand the workings of this. Like, I don't understand how this car functions. I don't understand the engine or the pistons or the, uh, like, I don't understand the mechanics of the car. So I'm not going to go in the car. It's like, no, the driver's saying, you don't need to understand all the workings and mechanics of the car in order to benefit from using the car. Like, just trust that the workings and the mechanics of the car work and that they can get you to where you need to go. So the Savior is inviting us into the car. And all we need to do is just jump in. It's his cycle. That seems like the best ride of a lifetime, right? Just to be in the car with Christ. So let's buckle up and get in the car, right? That's the doctrine of Christ. Okay. Then he talked also a little bit about commandments, which is also in Preach My Gospel. It's one of the lessons. Here's some quotes from him. We need to serve the Lord and serve one another. We need to strengthen ourselves spiritually by keeping and honoring our covenants. We should not lose the sense of urgency to keep the commandments. I love how he mentions that. We should not lose this sense of urgency and become complacent and like, oh, like I'll obey this commandment, but I don't necessarily like this commandment, so I'm not going to obey it, you know? So we need to be aware of the commandments, first of all, and our covenants, what we've promised to do. And what we've promised the Lord. 
and then actually remember them and do them and to not lose that sense of urgency in doing that. So since this talk has this missionary theme to it, it made me think about the summer I was engaged to my sweetheart, Jacob. I was a counselor for two weeks at a youth camp called Retreat for Girls. It was held up at Utah State in Logan, and it was so much fun. That summer was so fun, and it was easily some of the best weeks of my life. And it was just an amazing and uplifting two weeks with some amazing girls. I think the girls were like 12 to 18, and I got like this 16-year-old group. It was awesome. And they had such good questions and insights, and you could see the Lord working in them the whole week. Like at the beginning of the week, the girls would be so shy and unsure, but by the end of the week... Oh, they were crying because they didn't want to say goodbye to each other. It was so cute. And in some ways, I didn't want to go either because it was so nice to be away from the world, just unplugged from things and just spiritually energized and in that spiritually energetic environment for two whole weeks. It was tiring some days. We got to bed pretty late, but it was so worth it. Some of the best experiences I've had. But during, during the week, I got a group of girls each week, a new group. So one would come Monday morning and then they would leave Friday. And then we'd repeat it again the next week. But during, during the week with the girls, we focused on a theme that I've come to love. It's in Mark chapter 1 verse 18. And it's talking about the Savior's invitation to Peter and Andrew when he asks them to come and leave their fishing nets and become fishers of men. And I love Peter and Andrew's reaction to the Savior. They straightway left their nets and followed him. During this retreat, we focused on a different action of this scripture every day. The first day we focused on fishers of men. Like, what does that mean to be a fisher of men? And then we focused on straightway. Like, what does that look like in our life to be straightway and to do that? And the third day was like forsook or left their nets. So then we dove into what, what does that mean? And then the fourth day was follow him. And the last day was strong with the Lord, which isn't part of the scripture verse, but it was also very good. Um, so it was just an amazing week. And I want to kind of take you through like a synopsis of what we learned and were engaged in those weeks at that retreat. Um, so let's focus on day one, fishers of men. There's a bunch of scripture references that I'm not going to read here, but if you are interested and if this is something that you want to look into further, you can go to the show notes and I have the Fishers of Men bold and so by it you can find the scriptures references. But anyways, so it first starts off Matthew chapter 4, 19 through 20, 10, not 19 through 20. And he said unto them, and I love this because the, we quote this all the time in the church. 
But did you know there is a Joseph Smith translation of this verse? Verse 19, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. So I'm going to read it with the Joseph Smith translation. And he saith unto them, this was Andrew and, and Peter, I am he of whom it, it is written by the prophets. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And then there's also the one in Mark 17 through 18, which has a little bit of a variation to it. He says, come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men, which I really like that. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. So they're very similar accounts. I love how Mark says the become thing, make us to become I will make you to become. So if we have a desire to do that, to become, I love how this looks like a journey. Fishers of men means to preach the gospel, but we aren't going to be perfect at doing it the very first time. So it's going to be this learning and becoming process, which I love. So... Fishers, uh, so, and I love also that in the Joseph Smith translation, he says, I am he of whom it is written by the prophets. He's referring to Jeremiah here. Like this alludes to Jeremiah 16, 16, where it says, behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. So how do we become fishers and I'll say hunters as well of men? Like what does that mean? What does that look like in a life? And in some ways, I think it means we follow the commandments like Elder Ballard is saying here and the instructions from Heavenly Father he wants us to be like him. And it reminds me of, of the quote, I want others when they see me to think of Jesus. Like I want to be a reflection of him. So when people look at me, they see him. And, and then we go from there. We help others. We teach people the gospel. Um, as a part of the plan of salvation, some people are given the gospel and others need to search for it. So we all must gain a witness of its truthfulness by the power of the Holy Ghost. It is important to live what we believe, to be an example of Jesus Christ. It does not have to be complicated. As we open our mouth and share and live what we believe, we will become a fisher or a hunter of men. There's a story that I want to share with you from my mission so it's uh, one of the few stories I have that are just very, very good. But I was sitting on a plane going from Slovenia to Montenegro. And this was the first time that sisters had been called to the country of Montenegro. In the past, it was just elders that were assigned there. And my MTC companion 
and I were sent there the last part of our missions. And I remember we were on the plane, and I was sitting next to a lady. And I remember the whole time just feeling so nervous, like, I want to, I need, you know, beyond the typical ordinary conversation you have with someone like I wanted to share with her the gospel and I I was like chickening out I was like what is wrong with me this is the end of my mission and I'm like nervous to talk to this lady about the book of mormon about Christ you know you're just you're stuck on this plane for a while and you're like I don't know if I should say this cuz it might make it awkward the rest of the trip and just all of these like you know these quite doubtful thoughts and i knew that it wasn't coming from god of course god would want me to talk to her about his gospel and christ but just all of these like you're you're not good at the language right now like you just can't do this and like i'm at the end of my mission i need to have more courage to do this it made me think about an experience I had on a plane flight, kind of similar, but I was going, I was on an orchestra tour and I got put next to a gentleman and we started chatting. And so this was in high school. And I remember I was sitting next to him and he was like, well, where do you want to go to college? And I was like, oh, if I see BYU, he's going to think that I'm a Mormon. He's going to think that I'm a member of the church. And so I kind of was like, oh, I don't know yet. I I don't know. And and then we got talking some more and and he had said that he had went he had gone to BYU. And I was like, "Really? Oh my goodness. Where are you from? What are you doing? Are you a member of the church?" And so it just opened up this whole conversation. And I remember after that flight with that gentleman, I swore that I would never ever be fearful of sharing who I am and what I believe because I just felt so stupid. I felt like, wait a second, like he, he knew I was kind of beating around the bush the whole time. And I felt so bad that I just shrinked and, and I never wanted to do that again. And so when I was on this plane going from Slovenia to Montenegro, and I was sitting next to this Montenegrin woman. That thought came, that experience came back to my mind and was like, are you going to shrink? Are you going to be fearful and not share what you have? And then I just, I was like, help me. Like, I just said a prayer. I was like, please, I, I'm weak. I, I, care a lot about what people think of me I guess and please help me and I remember this thought came to me ask her when her birthday is which was so weird (laughs) okay and so I I go over to her or I leaned over to her and was like this is gonna sound weird but like when's your birthday (laughs) like is it in winter is it like do you like just such a random thing to ask someone like they might think like I'm trying to steal their identity or something but I'm not anyways well this sweet lady turns to me is like that's so funny that you've asked me this because my birthday's today and I just sat there dumbfounded 
Like, really? Oh, happy birthday. And she's like, I was like, how how old are you? Can I ask? And then we got talking and then I said, you know what? Can I can I tell you and share with you a really special gift? And she's like, of course, yes. And I was like, see, there's this wonderful book called the Book of Mormon. And I just like proceeded to have this conversation about the restoration of the gospel with her and about the Book of Mormon and how it is a gift to me. And by the end of the plane flight, she was like, I am so excited to read this book. Thank you for wishing me a happy birthday and thank you for the gift. And then we parted ways and I've never seen her since. And um, we just parted ways. I think I tried to get a phone number from her, but she had lived in uh, Budva and it was far and and it and it wasn't close to the to the chapel there. But I was like, you know what? We're we're planting seeds, and I just felt so good. It was so different from the previous airplane flight I had when I was in high school, and I was so grateful for the Lord for giving me the strength and the power to to wish her happy birthday and to share with her an amazing gift of the restoration and of our Savior Jesus Christ. So don't be afraid. Be a fisher of men. God will help you in this effort to be a fisher of men. He will bless your efforts. He will magnify your efforts. He will put things into your mind that will help you to spread and build his kingdom. I love this quote uh, or poem. It's by Lauren Isley. It's called The Star Thrower. While walking down the beach, a man saw someone in the distance leaning down, picking something up and throwing it in the ocean. As he came closer, he saw thousands of starfish the tide had thrown onto the beach, unable to return to the ocean during low tide. The starfish were dying. He observed a young boy picking up the starfish one by one and throwing them back into the ocean. After watching the seemingly futile effort, The observer said, There must be thousands of starfish on this beach. It would be impossible for you to save all of them. There are simply too many. You can't possibly save enough to make a difference. The young boy smiled as he picked up another starfish and tossed it back into the ocean. It made a difference to that one, he replied. And I just love that idea that it's not about the mass. It's about the one. It's the worth of soul, the worth of a soul is great in the sight of God. Just one soul. If you can bring one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy. And I love, I love this poem to remind us that any effort, any effort that we do for the Lord is enough. It's enough for someone one. 
And I just, I love that. We talked about the second day at this retreat about straightway and just kind of what that means. Um, It's the importance of immediately taking action in being obedient to the commandments and following commandments. And I liked this, what Elder Ballard said, this urgency, you know, it's this straightway immediate obedience and immediate action that we take. I think about the story of Rebecca from Genesis chapter 24. It's like the greatest love story I've ever read in the Bible. So you should go and read that because the day I'm filming this is Valentine's Day. So you should go read a Valentine's Day story. (laughs) Get in the Valentine mood. But she was such an example of being a woman of immediate action and no hesitation like feed all my camels like can you pull water for all of these camels sure i'll go do that you know so obedient um the word straightway is an action word it implies immediateness and without hesitation so we straightway come to jesus by our works um And there's so much we could talk about with that. But for sake of time, I'll go on to the third day that we had. It was called Follow Him. And um, this one, I have some amazing scriptures here. You can look at it in the show notes. But it's this idea of as we commit to following Christ, many decisions become easier. And we make room to receive revelation And our faith is strengthened through our obedience to his teachings and commandments. So following him allows us to become the men and women, the Christ-like servants the Lord needs us to be. Um, President Nelson talked on Revelation, and I loved what he said. This was back in his amazing talk, Revelation for the church revelation for you i think is what the name of it was i'll never forget this talk um but one quote in it was find a quiet place where you can regularly go humble yourself before the lord pour out your heart to your heavenly father turn to him for answers and for comfort every blessing the lord has for you even miracles will follow that is what personal revelation will do for you And that is what Elder Ballard is saying um, when he quotes President Nelson. Here's what Elder Ballard says. My brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. So that is what Elder Ballard is seeing this vision of like following him. That's what it is. It's seeking for this spiritual capacity. Like let's increase the capacity that we have to receive revelation. Um, I always loved this advice I got as a youth, and I've never forgotten it, which is kind of interesting. But it's this idea of setting a date night with your scriptures and God. And just like be there with Jesus and God and in the scriptures. And I like to say that it's like a date night because it's special It makes it fun. Like maybe buy a particular treat that you like and just make it fun 
to enjoy the time in the scriptures that you have and make it make it like what do what do I want to learn today or this week in my date night with the scriptures and just be kind of like looking forward to that date night and time that you have set aside and go to a quiet place and make sure you don't get disturbed um that you won't be disur- disturbed I I think about well my kids are very young and we're at a stage of life right now where things are very demanding of of us parents and finding those pockets of time often come up in the early early morning or late at night but those are my date nights with the scriptures is usually at like 11 o'clock at night no joke (laughs) and those have been some of the most precious minutes and hours of my life and the time when I felt most connected to heaven and so I encourage you to do that. There is a price to pay to receive personal revelation. Turn off the noise. Um, you know, make sure that you are receiving the revelation and and are able to decode it. I love that idea. Is we need to set aside the time and the the work to understand what Heavenly Father, what our Heavenly Parents want to communicate to us. The last day of the retreat was strong with the Lord. And we are taught that every good thing is found in seeking out our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if we are able to keep our focus on him, as we have been counseled, we will be able to find our way through the challenges of this life. The temptations of the adversary in the midst of darkness that seems to surround us daily. And I just love that strong with the Lord it goes back to this idea of hope, this enduring strength, this enduring um, cycle of continuing in faith and hope and love. And I just, I love that all. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to end with Elder Ballard's talk or with Elder Ballard's quote here at the end of his talk. May we ever follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and with faith in our every footstep. Focus on him. Keeping our feet firmly planted on the covenant path is my humble prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hope is in the Middle. Isn't hope in Christ amazing? If you want to check out anything that was mentioned during the episode, you can go to hopeisinthemiddle.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at hopeisinthemiddle. Thanks for listening. We'll see you.